Welcome to the RPG Podcast. And we are live. Oh, God, Pat! Presented by Sheep. A Time Wheel Production. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Robert Patton Global Podcast. It's that time again, and I'm here with a uh, podcaster who I was just on his podcast, the Brooklyn Boxing Podcast, a couple weeks ago, and now he's coming over for a swap cast. His name is Patrick Healy, and I'm very happy to have you here, sir. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, excited to be on your podcast. We had a great conversation on mine, so I'm looking forward to continuing it here. Yeah, I think we're both feeling a little bit better as well because there was something in the air few weeks ago maybe um and i i was feeling like just i go through ups and downs or whatever in my energies it's usually up and then every like i have like a period or something every so often and i just have to like take a few days and like for downtime do you ever do that yeah i mean sometimes like also with just interviews like what i i have to work on too like when i'm interviewing fighters or um, personalities or someone like yourself, it's like, how do I draw the stories out of them? You know, sometimes certain guests, and I'm not, I'm not talking about, uh, our podcast at all, but you know, like I did, uh, an interview with a fighter recently and he was like a really like low key, like mellow guy. And, um, which is great, but you want that energy to show. So I'm thinking in the back of my head while I'm talking to him, like, man, what can I say here to like, get some get some energy going so it's always a challenge especially over zoom too you know like in person is always a different vibe yeah i'm liking the headphones in person and really locking in to the other person's eyes and uh you know just nothing but them and the conversation flowing it's like total concentration and i'm just able to pay attention to what they're saying and process it better and have a more genuine conversation, I guess, ultimately. But these are pretty close. I'm trying to lock it in. Um, you've been doing podcasts for a while. You've done like over 40, maybe more podcasts. Yeah. And it's actually done. So to give like a quick kind of background on please. Brooklyn boxing podcast was really something I started out of my backpack. Um, so when I was living and I'm in actually sitting in Miami right now, but um, pre-COVID, um, I was in Brooklyn, New York, and, you know, always a big fight fan, boxing fan, MMA as well. But, um, you know, I love to train, and, and I was in and out of gyms in Brooklyn, meeting a lot of guys, uh, building some relationships with fighters and trainers and that sort of thing. And I was like, man, these guys have such amazing stories, like really motivating a lot of them. And um, I was like, why don't I just start a podcast, start talking to these guys? So I got a couple of mics, had my laptop in, a, in my backpack and like show up to the gym or, you know, wherever and, and kind of sit down and do episodes that way. And, um, you know, I was doing that for a little while. And then I actually partnered with a sort of friend of mine who's kind of helped take it to the next level. And, you know, I was just doing it all on like YouTube by myself and, and editing and stuff. So my partners like helped kind of spread across multiple platforms now and, and up the, the, you know, an upgrade in terms of like the quality of the, the episodes. And, and so that's like the new 42, like 42 episodes now with that kind of new format. Um, which oh, is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, have you, like, I'm really interested in this cause I want to get better and I want to know what, type of training or something you've done when it comes to podcasting, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm mostly like just self-taught, honestly. Um, you know, in college I was, I was a film and television major actually. Wow. But I'll be the first to say that like, I wasn't a, I wouldn't say, say I was like a great student by any means. I was, <laughs> I was interested in, uh, uh, partying probably a little bit more. Uh, and, um, but I definitely like brought that interest with me, like outside of college. Like I, I don't work in film and television currently, but I have, you know, this podcast and it's something like I'm passionate about and it's just kind of aligned for me. I, I was like, man, I'm a, I'm a big fight fan. Like I mentioned, 
Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get the stories out there. Like one of my, so my second ever guest is this guy, Fernando Villegas, who was one of like the lead producers for HBO's 24 seven, which was like the, when HBO was in boxing, they would make these amazing backstories on these fighters before premiere matchups. And, yeah. Um, that sort of storytelling was like what I fell in love with and also helped like me fall in love with boxing as well, because you, it just romanticized everything. Um, and you really got to like feel the story and it became a movie almost like the lead up to a lot of these fights. So their influence, the HBO 24 seven series on the fight game is like immense. And now everyone does it. Wow. That just made me think of kind of like you said it's a movie for the lead up to the final scene or whatever and in, in the victory and yelling Adrian. But <laughs> you for because I'm trying to figure out like an interview style and I know this is weird conversation, but it's like but I like what you said about the movie because if you think of their life like a movie, you could ask certain questions about what would be scenes of their life or a movie and how it played out to get them where they are, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like a story, I guess anything like a story, like a book, you know, I watched this YouTube video about getting people to tell their story. And I don't know if I told you this, it was a guy who, uh, he was, he was started interviewing people late in their lives and he knew that they had a story to tell, you know, they had lived their life already. It was the story has been told and they, everybody probably wants to tell their story, but it's how do you get that out of them? And what chord do you strike to unleash the waterfall of whatever emotions and story that there is? And the one example that stood out to me the most was this woman who was a choreographer in new york and broadway and she made all the like red carpets and she but she was always kind of like behind the scenes because she was a choreographer and when he got her on stage with her him he said did it ever bother you that you were not beautiful and uh because if she had been beautiful, she would have been like in the forefront and blah, blah, blah. Cause she was a great dancer and very talented, but because she wasn't, she was in the back and she said it did. And it, but it was like a bold question, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. but it, it, it got the story out, you know, but like, what do you say to a fighter? Like, what, what do you say? What do you, how do you get it going? What do you do? Yeah. I mean, that like line of bold questioning is definitely, like a tricky thing to navigate um especially with fighters because i find and a lot of people i feel like say this in the fight game is like a lot of these guys are like deeply emotional because it's such a lonely sport um there's so much pressure on them like you know you're it's you don't have a team like a lot they have a team behind them but you don't have a team in the ring um so there's like so yeah. much that these guys carry. So you never like for me, like I never want to obviously like disrespect one of these fighters or make them feel that I'm like sliding them in questioning. Um, but at the same time, like I find it is good to try to challenge these guys at times. Like if they're having some downs like some downsides in their career if or if they're not getting a lot of knockouts or not getting a lot of attention it's like asking them about you know what are you going to do to make yourself make people give a fuck like because that's the thing like you need these guys to make money and we see that more than ever now in boxing with jake paul and logan paul and and you need to capture people's attention and you need to pull people in. And unfortunately, the majority of the public doesn't really care about your actual skills. There's the boxing fans and the fight fans who are in love with the real skill set. But the majority of people, they just want to be entertained. Um, so these fighters, like that's a big thing now moving forward for these guys needing to create a character and make people care about them getting in the ring it's got to be like this right here 
the ultimate warrior i'm yeah. here to take you out yeah. you know this I guy mean, i'm holding an ultimate warrior doll but the wwf and wwe were the ultimate storytellers people want a story like you were just saying about the boxers that's what got you in i never saw that in boxing and so i never really terribly got into it until jake paul and logan paul lol except for tyson of course and uh, roy jones jr for sure i loved watching them i mean like so that hbo 24 7 episode that i i like was referencing it was uh the one Fernando, when I had him on the podcast, he said the one that really got them going was Oscar De La Hoya versus Mayorga. And De La Hoya, of course, at that time, he had a big following. He was a golden boy. He was fighting Mayorga, who was a guy who everyone expected Oscar to beat. However, through their storytelling people really felt Mayorga had a chance to win. And Mayorga is a guy who would smoke cigarettes at the weigh-in. Uh, he was from, I believe, Nicaragua and had, like, super gang past and, like, like scars from machete fights. Like, this dude was a badass. And uh, played up that character to the fullest with the cigarettes at the weigh-in and, you know, blowing smoke in people's faces, just doing anything to piss people off. So I was like, getting to see that backstory of, of of his life, people are like, damn, this guy is a real savage and comes from like the toughest of tough places. Maybe he can beat up the pretty boy in Oscar De La Hoya. And, and that really did massive things for the promotion of the fight and the buys at the end of the day. So, um, you know, it's all about telling the story. It's all about creating hype. With substance, though, I think that's what HBO did so well when they were in the boxing game. Um, they had such great substance to their storytelling that is lacking a little bit now. It's a little bit more circus and, and just kind of cheap thrills. Um, I was Showtime, really? I think Showtime does a good job. Yeah. A thriller. Thriller. Ugh. It was Ugh. horrible. Oh my god, I was watching with my wife and we were just like, what the fuck are they doing? Turn this off. So annoying. I mean, it was honestly like un I was struggling to get through it. I mean, it was like, the announcing was disgraceful, I thought. Like, the sideshows in between the fights, I'm like, I mean... What is this? What is this? And like, where's the respect for the actual sport? I mean, it's crazy. I'm oh my god it's so funny they they made it so bad that now when you watch it it's like oh it's good because you don't have to watch all that shit yeah. so with, I mean you know, it's, it's, a, it's a crazy landscape right now it's a what landscape crazy like landscape in boxing right now because like they're really trying to figure out just how to pull new fans in yeah so, in a way like Trillers kind of spurred like the zone and showtime ESPN a little bit to like try to pull in new broadcasters or figure out ways to hype it up. So maybe that's the silver lining. We'll, we'll hope. I was just going through my credit card bill and I noticed a zone charge and i'm like i haven't watched this since like six months ago i was so pissed so if you guys watched that fight you got probably put on some kind of auto pay or whatever so check your <laughs> bill that's annoying um but i found that you know these guys are the paul brothers are bringing attention to the sport i know rogan has always been spoke spoken highly of it uh brendan schaub is a huge proponent, you know, and they're all, they're like UFC fighters. And I like seeing that there's not that us against them attitude so much anymore. And it is a little bit with the competing between the sports, but at least they're taking that on. And I find it fascinating personally. Yeah. I mean, I'm fascinated with like what the UFC has been able to accomplish. Like I'm a big fan of MMA, um, but like Dana White, I really, he gets hit a lot recently about like fighter pay and like that's hard to argue against like that's something that sh should improve but 
the the like landscape that he's created in the UFC is incredible because there's one belt per division. It's looked at as like the NFL, basically. Like the UFC brand is bigger than almost all of the fighters. Um, so people like come back to the UFC. And he puts on fights like every week. The cards are like always stacked. It's just continually continuously growing. And like that's what's such a mess in boxing is like you have multiple networks, multiple promoters, four belts per division. Mm. And that's not even counting the WBA, who is like has the super champion, regular champion, and then like interim. It's insane. So my point is, is like in the UFC, you know who the champion is at a certain weight class. In boxing, there's like four guys. Or maybe some one dude unifies the division, which like recently happened at 140 pounds with Josh Taylor. So you're like, okay, that's the guy. Um, but in a lot of the weight classes, you have two to three, four champions, which is like for fans to follow that, how like how are they gonna know who the best is? You know, yeah, I mean at least with, like you said, with the UFC, you know there's Bellator, there's one FC, there's PFL, but UFC is the pinnacle and then but with these other boxing organizations, you don't know which one is they're all probably saying they're the best one. They're all, it, they're all like competing against each other and then the promoters who have ties to networks like so Eddie Hearn and who is Matram Boxing has a deal with the zone. So all of his fighters fight on the zone. Then you got Al Heyman with PBC and Fox or Showtime. They try to keep all of their fighters in house. So they have a champion on their network. The odds of them getting that guy to fight outside of their network is very low because if he loses, then they lose their their guy and their network. So it's just like such a mess. Hopefully, Dana White's mentioned maybe getting into boxing at some point. Maybe. This podcast is brought to you by ohanakavabar.com. Now, ohana means family. But what is kava? Kava is a root from the South Pacific. It makes you calm and happy. Just go to ohanakavabar.com. Choose your favorite brew. They have many to choose from with more on the way. And I personally like the tincture. It tastes good. It gets you quick and you're calm and relaxed in a moment. It cools and calms the nerves. And I think you'll like it. Let them know we sent you. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors and support this company. So go to ohanakababar.com. Use promo code SHEATH. You're going to love it. It doesn't taste that great. But chase it with a nice pineapple. You will not be disappointed. Trust me on that. OhanaCalvabar.com. Ohana's family. Use promo code SHEATH. You're welcome. Last but not least, SheathUnderwear.com. The greatest underwear on the planet. The underwear of legends. The underwear that keeps your balls from sticking to your legs. That's right. This is the best underwear because it keeps your boys cool. Check out sheathunderwear.com. Back to the show. Well, I see, you know, you see him meeting up with Mayweather and that was, I was going to ask you like, and it sounds like you kind of answered that question though, but like what about boxing bothers you, you know? Yeah. I mean, right now outside of like, the thriller stuff going on, which is kind of whatever I'm over it. That is the biggest thing right now that bothers me is how unclear it is as to who is the best in each division and the biggest fights not happening due to promotional greed, like Errol Spence and Manny and Terrence Crawford should have already fought, um, you know, even in the heavyweight division right now, we have, Wilder and Fury scheduled for October, but they went through hell to negotiate that. It took way too long. That fight should have already happened. And then you got Anthony Joshua sitting on the sidelines right now. He's going to fight Alexander Usyk, who's like a for- great, uh, formidable opponent, like undefeated. But 
the point is, it's like if these guys were, if this was the UFC, if you want to look at the heavyweights right now, you probably have Tyson Fury, the heavyweight champion. Then you got maybe Joshua, number number one ranked contender, and, and Wilder right there. And then like the excitement around those top guys have they have to fight each other. They have no choice but to fight each other. Like that's what creates lasting moments for fans and like those iconic moments and. You know, we saw like in the old school boxing, like 80s, 70s, 90s, like guys were more likely to fight each other for whatever reason. It's just less, less networks, less promoter, greedy promoters. But that's the biggest thing that bothers me right now is like, it's just, uh, if we lose out on some like marquee matchups due to money. Oh man. Yeah. And Joshua, I've been hearing his name. I don't even know what he looks like but I've heard his name for like five years and I, he's yet to fight Fury or Wilder and everyone wants to see him fight these guys. Yeah. But, I mean, he is, if you've never seen him, you should probably get him in your underwear soon because he looks <laughs> like carved out of stone. I mean, he is like, you want to create a player in a video game, like heavyweight. That's what he looks like. He's wow. sixty shredded good looking dude like i mean he's the full pack and he's really good too like it's not like he's just uh all show either i mean like he, he lost Andrew <laughs> and but then he got it back i guess yeah, right yeah i mean that was like a crazy moment um obviously in boxing like history for andy ruiz to pull off the upset uh, <laughs> msg mass square garden like on two weeks notice too like he filled in late for that because joshua's original opponent um failed drug tests they had to fill that up that slot and uh you know eddie hearn who was the promoter anthony joshua was his guy he was like in tears after that uh, <laughs> that's like when the apes take amc and the whatever the guys <laughs> the hedge fund guys are holding the bag crying when your guy loses it's like that was my money. Yeah. But he got it back. Yeah, he got it back. And um, you know, Andy Ruiz is still very much in the mix as well. And uh, you know, Joshua, the guy Joshua's fighting next is his name's Alexander Usyk. He's a Ukrainian cruiserweight champion. So two hundred pounds. He was fighting at two hundred pounds. He's undefeated, moving up to heavyweight now. So shades of like a Vander Holyfield. A Vander Holyfield's a guy who came up from cruiserweight to heavyweight. That's oh. a success. So Usyk is going to be definitely the smaller fighter in the ring against Joshua, um, but extremely skilled. A lot of people think that he could be a nice sleeper pick if you if you're a betting man to potentially outbox Joshua. I don't see it happening, but it's a good fight. Um, so there's basically a final four right now in the heavyweight division. Joshua, Usyk on one side of the bracket, and Wilder and Fury on the other. You're like in the scene. I heard you know you're at, at a pretty big gym. You're around a lot of people that are professional fighters and agents yeah. of fighters. Yeah, shout out to uh, Fifth Street Gym here in Miami, the home of Muhammad Ali and Angelo Dundee, famous trainer. Um, yeah, the guys who run the gym now, Dino Spencer and Tom Sadas, um, two great guys, and they have a crazy atmosphere in the gym. Like it has such history, of course. And then today you have heavyweight boxers in there, down to the smallest weight class you could imagine. You got MMA guys in there, bare knuckle champions, um, and then the Fifth Street Gym podcast, which I help out on and actually have co-hosted a few episodes. Our, our, the last episode we did was with uh, Hector Lombard. Oh, I've heard of him. Bare knuckle champ and uh, Cuban guy. Was in the UFC for, I don't even know how long, very long. Um, yeah. The Olympics also for judo. Um, he's a savage. I mean, he is built like a fire hydrant and his fists are like size of plates. I'm like, I can't believe this guy fights bare knuckle. Is it heavyweight? Or? No, I think he's, um, I think he's fighting in the UFC. He was uh 185. 
Um, but bare knuckle, I believe it's in that range as well. Because I, I just interviewed a Jason Knight, Jason the Kid Knight, who was also fighting in bare knuckle yeah. FC. Yeah. I remember watching his fight against Artem Lobov. Oh, uh, that's it. Yeah, tell me, tell me about it. Oh my God! I mean, that was like one of that was pretty early, like bare knuckle FC days, because like it hasn't been around for a while. Like the bare knuckle, like with uh, David Feldman, I think is the like Dana White of the B- BKFC. Okay, like, that fight, um, I want to say, is like probably one of the first bare knuckle fights I've watched I watched and um that was just and the reason why I kind of t- tuned in was like Artem Lobov is Conor McGregor's like longtime training partner um so I was like interested in w- just seeing him fight and uh that was like one of the bloodiest goriest events like I've ever seen. I was like, I don't know if they can keep going with these events because Jason Knight, I mean, these guys are what, like absolute savages. Like I, like I can't fathom what it takes to put your body through like what they do. Like he, he, he looked like Chucky. Like his face was oh my God. so cut up. Both of them. I was, um, but I think he ended up winning the rematch against Artem as well. So, I mean, it just shows, like, I don't know, these guys. I'm sure of talking to Jason, right? I mean, I'm sure he was, like, a savage. Yeah, he was actually – he was really cool. Um, he – I wasn't sure. I did I did a little bit of research, and he's very country, you know, and I wasn't sure how he was going to be. But he was just – down to earth we talked about his story his childhood he was kind of a bad kid he got into some trouble like and i wasn't but he was you know he started at 14 had won eight uh, uh in a row by 16 eight fights in a row and he just seems to be really well he has a great understanding of mma and what had happened was he got he was doing so good he got caught up in the in the limelight he started telling stories about having 80 grand in his pocket and you know taking all his friends out and doing that same old sad story about partying too much but he's only 29 you know he, yeah. he so, but he lost he, he lost a couple of fights got kicked out has since he's like making his way back and i think that's where he was fighting in one fc Jason Knight. Yeah, that's cool. And I like I like being able to get these guys' stories. And he did tell me his story. And I and I have hopes for him to make it back to the UFC or maybe just be a champion in PFL. PFL's not, you know, they're they're talented. All these other organizations are stepping up their game, like yeah. Mike, um, Michael Chandler. Chandler, yeah, you know, champion went over. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Like, it's pretty... You know what's kind of, like, I'm a little worried about is now that these other organizations are becoming more legit and they have guys who, like, definitely can compete in the UFC and maybe challenge for titles, like, we could be headed into the boxing realm it's not there yet because the ufc is still clearly like the top dog but with bellator on the rise and like one fc and pfl like most recently uh, this past weekend aj mckee beat uh pitbull yep uh, yeah i can't remember it's for patricio um he beat him at for the 145 belt at in bellator and aj mckee's undefeated and like a lot of people on Twitter and online we're like talking like, Hey, like you, I think AJ could maybe chat. Like he looks really good. Like I think he could maybe fight for the belt in the UFC. And then the Bellator commissioner was saying like, Hey, I'm up for it. Like if they want to put it on the line, like UFC versus Bellator. Um, like, let's do it. I mean that Dana, there's like a no win for him to do that right now. Um, but like, that would be the start of the boxing kind of thing because then you'd have like mul- like multiple belts that are looked at as legit. Right. And like I kind of hope that that doesn't happen. 
I know. Anytime soon, because the UFC has such like a leg up on everyone right now. But these other organizations, like they are not just like they're not purely B level organizations anymore. They have guys who are UFC ready. Do you know what uh, weight class he's in? Um, 145 pounds. Oh, okay. Featherweight. Oh, wow. So he would take Volkanovski or Holloway. Yeah. Or, people, or, were, people were like asking about that online, being like, who do you think would win? Um, and uh, some people like think that AJ McKee like might have a shot. And who's to say he wouldn't? I mean, Michael Chandler was like very close to knocking out Oliveira for the 155 belt. Like, he had him yeah. so hurt in the first round. Like I thought he, I thought they could have stopped it, you know, and they would have too. Oh, yeah, yeah, like they've stopped it for less. But I feel like sometimes they tell him to keep going, and sometimes they say don't stop it under any circumstances. Refereeing in MMA is like such a nightmare. Like I don't know how Herb Dean and like the, those guys do it because imagine like I always try to just imagine myself being in the ring for those big fights, like refing. And, like, A, the crowd atmosphere and the energy has got to be crazy, right? Like, it's super, super intense, like, adrenaline gone. And everything's happening so fast. So, like, when a guy gets, like, kicked in the head and he's clearly, like, hurt bad on the ground, the dude jumps on and starts punching him a couple of times. Like, yeah, you got to be experienced to, like, evaluate in the moment and not just, like, freak out and be like, stop, stop, stop. Because uh, these guys sometimes like they bounce back up, like as we saw in that fight with Oliveira. Yep. Yeah. I I felt bad for for Chandler, but I lo- I like Oliveira, Oliveira. He's I like a lot of these fighters. So yeah. it's like so, so, somebody's got to lose, and it is what. So you do pay attention so, to the UFC pretty good then. Because you know about Ty, uh, Tyron Woodley. Are you familiar with him? Yeah, Tyron Woodley obviously had like a great UFC career and then kind of went on a little bit of a slide towards the end. Um, but he was only lo- – his losses were really only like – they were against top five guys, so it's not like he was losing to – guys who weren't ranked or anything like that. So it'll be interesting to see like how much dog he has left in him really. And like, I, I, I got to lean his direction. Uh-huh. I had to pick between him and Jake Paul, but it's, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Jake Paul won, honestly, either. I wouldn't either because Tyron might just pull a Ben Askren or whatever and just get that paycheck and t- ride off into the sunset. I don't see that happening, but I could see him trying and still losing, you know, but if he just gives it his all, he has that punching power. If he just comes at Jake with ferociousness, ferocity or whatever, ferocious, whatever, ferocity, like Tyson might say, just kill or be killed attitude. He ha- he's always been, he- he's like timid. Sometimes he holds back and it's annoying. It's like, I know you can do it. Look at you. Look, I've seen you do it before. You knocked out Robbie Lawler and a lot of other, and uh, other people, you know, the wonder boy, but even other people that are really good. And, but then he starts just holding back. It was so weird. He's like in his head and that's a thing. You know, that happens. Have you boxed? Yeah. He... Have I? Yeah. Sorry. Just, I think uh, it's a little rainy outside. Maybe the connection dropped for a second. But yeah, I have, um, I have not competed like in amateur bouts or anything like that. Um, but I do spar from time to time, and and I do like to get in there and and mix it up a little bit. Nothing too serious or like heavy sparring like nothing too heavy just because for me at this point like i don't you know i'm not i don't have aspirations of like becoming a pro or anything like that like of course i'm past past me on on that but like i love the sport and i feel like it gives me a little bit of like an angle 
um, of like just understanding what I'm watching more too when I when I actually like get in there and train with some guys. So um, yeah, I, I do like doing that, and it is kind of in my mind a little bit about maybe doing like an a couple of amateur bouts at some point. Um, but like I'd want to do it right and really and really train for it, obviously. And um, you know, that's something maybe I, I, I'm interested in possibly doing that at some point. That would be exciting. I would love to do that as well. I, I just brought a mouthpiece and I have a guy that comes and trains with me and we were just very doing the lightest sparring you could ever possibly do the uh like this past weekend and it was fun. It's just good exercise. Yeah. I, um I'm like, you know, he didn't hit me in the head, it's just body shots and and whatnot. It was fun. He's coming back. Um, he's a professional. He's fight, He's going to be fighting in Fury FC or something in Houston on September 7th or 12th or something. Dylan the King. Nice. Dylan, Dylan King. Um, good dude. It's cool to be around these guys. Like you said, they have a, this mentality that's unique and inspirational. You know, so, you know, you said something earlier about creating hype you know it's all about creating hype how how do we create hype for these guys for for your podcast you know like what what do you i mean you see colby covington conor mcgregor these characters that are being built but what like what do you think is the answer I don't think there's much that like you can do on the outside. It's really got to be like an internal thing for these fighters um, because like they really have to be conscious of like the character they create, like even like it can just be them, right? Like it can yeah. be how they are. And, and that obviously works great. Yeah. But uh -huh. like a lot of these fighters from what I've seen, like, are kind of like normal guys, you know, like they're not, they don't, not everyone has like in a crazy personality or is super outspoken and like wants to stir the pot. Um, but that doesn't work for selling fights. Like they're in the, in the entertainment business, like you got to create um, a character sometimes. So like Colby Covington is honestly like the perfect example of that because he fought Damian Maya in Brazil. I don't remember exactly the year, but a couple of years ago. And he even like has revealed this, like that that was the last fight on his contract. And he didn't have that whole persona yet of being like the super, like, like, uh, like I'm Trump's favorite fighter. Like fuck everyone. Like he didn't, he didn't yeah. have that persona yet. But he knew in his mind, like, this is my last fight on the contract. Like, the UFC keeps offering me the same amount of money. Like, this isn't working. I need to come up with something. And that's the night he did when he beat Damian Maya and he got, grabbed the mic and was like, Brazil. It was in Brazil. He was like, Brazil, you suck. Like, <laughs> and Daniel Cormier has, like, been interviewed about that moment, too. Cause he, you see him like getting kind of giddy. Cause he's like, Oh my God. Like the crowd is like, uh, kill him right now. So you could kept giving him the mic and like egging him on. Cause he knew like that was a moment that Colby was really like, I want to go back and watch that. That sounds yeah, awesome. Like, it's, a cool, it's a cool moment because you get to see basically the shift in Colby's career of him embracing the villain, like full time. He's like, all right, I just want people just got to hate me then. Like if this is nice guy thing, isn't working out and yeah. uh, he's doing it to the fullest now yeah he's fighting usman soon what do you what do you feel is going to happen there same thing it's so hard to pick against usman like he just yeah good right now um but if anyone's going to do it i really think colby's the guy to beat him like their first fight was very close and so colby close. Was up on the scorecards before they stopped it and uh, I was there. I was at that fight. Yeah. And like when he got not like put down or whatever, um, my wife, I think she was like, yes. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was so pissed. I, I mean, like it ruined the, we like 
kind of fought that night because I was so mad that she was happy that he lost. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I wanted him to win. And, and I know he's an ass or whatever you want to say, but I found him hugely entertaining. Uh, I love that. Even the heel, I like Chael Sonnen and these guys that just in Conor McGregor talk shit and get hype around yeah. fights. And so I, I, I agree with your assessment. How, you know, it's hard to pick against Usman. If anybody's going to do it, it's going to be Colby. I it would probably be on points. He doesn't typically finish people, but how was the energy in that building? It must have been insane. It was on electric. It was electric. It was super exciting because there were like three title fights that night, I think. And but I was I was bored. I don't really dig. No offense, Amanda Nunes. She doesn't do it for me. Uh, she's the greatest of all time. You she know, whoops, she whoops ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She just does it, but it's, I don't like a beatdown. I like a close fight, like Usman and Colby, and um, who was that? Uh, Alexander Gustafs- Gustafson versus John Jones, and just there's a thousand fights where like. T- um, Chael Sonnen versus Bisping, these fights that were just like epic. Joanna Yunjacek versus Zhang Wei Li. Remember that? That That was insane. Yeah. So many. I want a good fight, though, you know? And so, and she never, it's like nobody really even challenges her. It's, I mean, it's really hard to find, but there is. So the, the fight that they have to make, and I don't know why they're not doing it, is Valentina Shevchenko has to fight Amanda Nunes. They've already fought twice both decisions but like valentina like those were kind of controversial decisions one of them and Agreed. like valentina is fucking badass like i want to see her win that she's fun to watch she's so dynamic and like an actual like legit real martial artist i feel like uh nunez is just like a brute beat down just like almost like an animal a gorilla or whatever just she doesn't it's not like the technique it's she's great she has crazy power yeah and it's not is like artistic it's really good but like her power is like what sets her apart i mean she just melts girls yeah they just crumble before her and so i'm rooting for pena i i actually did not like her for the longest time i don't know why juliana pena but now that she's she started talking shit you know, she called her fat. She's like, you don't want to come down to 135. You know, you can't yeah. eat too much or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, it's all entertainment at the end of the day. And the UFC is crushing it. Like, I've been to a couple events as well and nothing like that. But I will say, uh, one of the events I went to, which was unreal, I was at MSG. That was uh, when Daniel Cormier fought Derek Lewis. Israel Adesanya was, like, the... He wasn't even the co-main, I don't think. And that was like uh-huh. on come up. Uh, so that was really cool to see those guys. But like comparing a boxing events to UFC in my experience, like the whole production of it and the energy in the UFC events is like next level. Granted, I haven't been to like like I'm sure Wilder versus Fury, like heavyweight, like big time boxing title. I would obviously like love to go to one of those events. I'm sure that energy has got to be crazy too. But UFC cards are just like, like I don't know. Like even watching them, it's just like damn. Like every I'll, fight. I'll tell you one. Another one I went to. It was Cowboy versus Connor, and I. Uh, I was hanging out with this guy, Robert Oberst, all day. And we were eating dinner before the fight. And as we were walking into the stadium, he handed me like five little mushroom pills. <laughs> and But we had to go separate ways. So we, he was sitting, Joe Rogan had given him tickets. to, And I was, I bought my own ticket. I was sitting with like the Cowboy fans because we were sponsoring Cowboy at the time. And we, we still work with him, but uh, that was so electric. I mean, it was, and everyone was, you know, thought maybe Cowboy would win. There was some hope he would win. And uh, I certainly thought he had a chance. And he obviously had a chance, but it didn't happen. Um, but 
I, it was like, Connor was like a lion. Like when I saw him, I, and I, maybe it was the mushrooms or whatever, but he just looked like he like fire was coming off of his body. And he was just, there's something mystical about him, you know, even though he's losing or whatever, he has it within him. Sorry. I was, so I'm, I'm such like a McGregor Homer fan, honestly. And like, but when a lot of people, when I, when you say that, like they don't really like either they didn't watch him pre Mayweather or they like, didn't understand like what he did. Like his rise was so crazy. Like he absolutely dusted everyone at one. People are like, Oh, he didn't defend his belt. There wasn't anyone to defend it against at 145. He killed, he killed everyone at 145. Yeah. He them all out in a row. So it was like, who else is there to fight? Then he did the Diaz thing, then 155. And like what you were talking about, that like magic and that aura around him. And like now that is something you can't create. Like that is some like once in a generational type. You know what I mean? Like seems like it. it. McGregor has it. Like I mean Rousey. Rousey had it at one point. Um I mean, like, that is, like, some mystical shit that he has going on. And it, it's kind of sad to see it, like, fading right now. I hope that this isn't – I hope we're not watching, like, the end of McGregor. But, like, I don't personally think it's the end but because I'm a fan of his. But mm-hmm. it's hard not to, like, realize that pre-Mayweather and post-Mayweather is kind of – it's two different guys. Oh yeah. 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 Something has changed significantly. And he, I remember watching videos of him where he would be reading passages from this book, the secret, you know, about the law of attraction and visualizing it and manifesting it. And he was doing it as he's saying it. And I practiced those beliefs, um, in my business and life trying to get to where we're going and we just made the Inc. 5000, whatever that means. There's, I just got an email and I was like, that's pretty cool. I was like dancing a little bit earlier and we're visualizing it. So he visualized it. He's there, but then maybe he didn't think, what do you do when you get there? Or uh, Because now you have all the money. It's hard that whole saying, I don't even want to say, you know, it's hard to get up and run at 5 a.m. when you're sleeping in silk sheets. And Yeah, that is a big part of it. But I will say, like, another huge factor is just the inactivity. And, like, when he went to fight Mayweather, and, you, like, obviously I don't blame him for doing that. Like, he got, like, oh. he won. He already won. Like, he, McGregor has done everything he set out to do, like, made more money than he ever could imagine he had won two bouts like he won he beat the game by by age 30 like he he beat the game but in terms of just fighting he goes and does the mayweather thing then when he comes back and fights khabib like he was two years outside the octagon wow like that's so long to be out of mixed martial arts and have a boxing focus and then come back Still did pretty well, honestly, in that fight compared to a lot of Khabib's opponents. And then after that, then there's another huge layoff, like a year, well over a year, maybe even to another two years, Cowboy. And then Corona hits right after that. So then it's like another year plus, and like, then he fights Dustin. He's thinking about Manny Pacquiao, like whatever. There's all excuses and stuff like that, but... The inactivity for me is like the biggest thing. And now his leg's broken even more time. Oh my God. It's like in a way, like his prime years have been somewhat wasted, which is crazy to say because he was still two division champ and everything. But like he was on such a roll at that point where if he stayed, like who knows what he could have done. But now like after he got the Mayweather thing, it took him out of MMA. He's been so inactive and to like get back into rhythm is almost impossible because like on his rise, he was fighting three or four times a year. Um, Canelo in boxing, if you look at him, like he's an example of a guy who's at the top of the sport, top of the game, 
and he's staying super active, which is awesome for the fans because you get to see him. But he's literally fighting like four times a year, and that's not by accident. Like it's not even a money thing. Like that's for him. He's like, I'm staying sharp as fuck. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he doesn't have time to like get out of the gym. Like he's just that's just what he does. Well, I think that like you, that's what you were saying about Connor's changing his lifestyle over after he won uh, uh, the two belts and won against Mayweather. He probably moved to a new house, a new part of the city. His whole routine changed. What he was doing when he became champion changed when he became champion. And now whatever he's doing now isn't working like that was. And I mean, whatever he did with Cowboy seemed to work uh, or, or Cowboy just folded or whatever. That was a really odd scenario he seemed like he he was in like a good mental yeah that fight too like which has been really interesting like watch his career so there's clearly like different mental sides of him that he like falls into like this last fight he was he seemed like not okay he seemed like almost like how he was for the khabib fight like he was just mentally like not present yeah Khabib actually had like an interview recently where he talked about Connor and it was really interesting, like what he said. And he was like, I always tell my fighters that I coach now, like you can't start training when the UFC calls you for a fight. Like you can't just be like, okay, now I have eight weeks to a fight. It's like, right. that's a good time to get in shape, but like you have to be training all the time. And like that's clearly what the like with McGregor's career like I'm sure on his come up like what else was he doing other than being in the gym like he didn't have money like he was just in the gym doing like training training so when he gets called for a fight like he's already there it's just like you ramp it up now it's like he's traveling around the world he's on doing appearances yachts all this shit he's like I'm still the champ champ in my mind and now I'm just going to train for like six to eight weeks and, and beat this guy. But it's like, you can't, you know, you can't be like a part-time, you can't just parachute in and expect results. No, you got to go back to the roots of what got you there. And if you, I mean, and if you're not willing to do that, then maybe it is time to transition. He certainly has set himself up for that. But like yeah. in you know Rocky or whatever, when he was champ, I think he lost or something. He had to go. He went back to the ghetto, and he went back and trained like he used to, at um, least a little bit. In the mountains, yeah, just get some solitude. But I'm slightly skeptic. He might, you know, he'll come back and he'll win a few more fights. I think, but maybe. will he win? One like I know, right? It's like hang it up before you win and lose another one. I, you know, sometimes I thought his fights were picked strategically for him to win the championships because I was like, and you like when he knocks out Poirier the first time, he barely hit him. He barely hit him. It was weird. And I love McGregor. I have him all over all my shit. Like I have my vision boards. I want, I want to sponsor him one day, but, uh, He, you know, work with him or something, but, uh, poor, you know, poor. And then he, and who is the other, when he beat, um, Jose Aldo that I was like, is this, I was like, honestly, I was like, is this real? And I was rooting for him, but like, he was doing so good. And I really kind of think it was like, maybe it's just that magic I was talking about earlier. He had crazy, like, he just had, he had crazy, like magic through that. Yeah. what that's really what it was like his momentum was insane and like his he was literally predicting like yep. there's foot there's footage of him in the locker room before aldo one he like in interviews said like in the first exchange he's getting knocked out and then in the locker room before the fight there's footage of him like sliding back and like throwing the left hand like planning that out yeah i saw that and, that's so cool though so and cool. That's what I like about this thing. And I mean, and that's what I kind of try to um, suggest to my what, visit subscribers or whatever is 
doing that visualization and acting it out and preparing yourself for when opportunity strikes, you know, you want to be ready. That's what preparation meets opportunity. And, um, you know, even if you don't know what you want to be yet visualizing, I, I would like visualize myself with my hands raised in front of a crowd of screaming fans cheering me on. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I, I kind of want to, become one day some like a motivational speaker i'm working on it i i enjoy listening to them and so i and i get something out of it so i would like to pass that on if i can get it down real good um what do you see for your future patrick man like it's a good question i uh you know i'm interested in a lot of things like you know i have my my day job where i i, I work in in real estate oh, nice. um, but in terms of like the fight game you know i'm a massive fan i'm inspired by these fighters mma like guys like mcgregor his rise super inspiring guys like tyson fury who came back from you know hell to face wilder and get knocked down get back up like that's one of the most iconic yeah. boxing and like personally super inspiring for me like i'm i'm gonna be sober for uh almost two years now and like drawing from tyson's like story was like very like motivating for me oh yeah like fighters and like these people in the fight game like give me so much that like i that was kind of the reason why i started the podcast is i want to try to like give back to fighting in a way where I'm getting people's stories out there that you might not always hear from. So that's why I did like a lot of local guys in Brooklyn starting out and like, of course, trying to work my way up now and, and really like get these guys personalities like out there and, and, and maybe have them connect with fans more. Um, so I'd love like to even be help manage some of these guys, like guide their careers. Like a lot of these dudes, like, they need help, you know, like they don't, they, they need help with sponsorships. They need help with people guiding their careers. Um, Cause it's a slimy business. You know, there's not a lot of, there's a lot of people looking to take advantage of people in this game. And you know, I would love to be like one of the good guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's insp inspiring. I mean, so you want to, like transition to doing fighting full time, or you want to probably maybe do both kind of let the real estate help facilitate you helping the fighters. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, that's kind oh. of my mindset as for now is like, I, I, I definitely don't want to like quit on anything. Like I have a few kind of like side hustles going and, and, um, just kind of take it a day at a time and just try to like, do as best I can with the podcast and then cultivating like these relationships with fighters and trainers and, and, um, you know, trying to help out some of these guys as well is like really interesting. Um, I could do it. I interviewed Mark. His name is Markel Martin. He's Francis Ngannou's agent over at CAA. Nice. And he was like a super motivating guy to talk to. Cause like he just grinds so hard for, for Francis and like, Francis is a huge star right now, but like on his come up came from like, he was homeless in France, like got into MMA real late. Um, like in Africa, he was like in the sand mines, like before he went over to France, like he has a literally like a movie story. So like Markel is talking about how motivating it is to be around Francis. And like, he's like, man, uh, some days I'm tired and like, trying to get deals done for Francis outside of the cage. And I'm like, man, like I can't be like feeling sorry for myself for a second. <laughs> like dude literally was in sand mines in Africa, like digging all day, fucking moved to France, homeless. Like now he's made, now he's a heavyweight champ. Um, it's just like an example of like, there's nothing like the fight game to me in terms of like the human spirit. Like you see it on display in the ring through like wars that we get to watch as fans like guys push the body to like limits like that no other sport can do yep. and like what's more inspiring than that you know these guys like 
Teddy Atlas always kind of says, and I'm probably going to botch like the words here, but it's like, he says like the night of the fight is it's like a way for these guys to make everything fair. Like for one night, like they go through all this bullshit in their lives, but like that one night is like to make it, make everything right. Like for, Uh and like, yeah, I mean, they dedicate their whole life or, you know, a portion of their life for these fights, which how many of us dedicate our whole life to doing human resources or payroll or selling houses for that matter. You know, if you win as hard as, you know, Francis and Ghanu you know, went at training, then, you know, you couldn't fail at selling houses or some of these fighters that are just exemplary, exemplary examples of uh, dedication and hard work, you know. That's yeah. and even with yourself, like your story on our pod on like my podcast, like you literally were with the tailor, right? Like learning yeah. how to just like by any means necessary, right? Like just having that mindset being like, I just don't like I'm gonna do anything, like it doesn't matter, like I'm just gonna grind and make this happen. And like that's like the fighter <clears throat> mentality, which is like you know, it's just like it's motivating it's sick that's why i like doing these i want to share that motivation and it was shared with me through you know think and grow rich they listen to these tapes napoleon hill talking about these businessmen that became successful in the early 1900s by just uh practicing these principles that are pretty they're kind of they're out there you know like go the extra mile or you know like it's out there but you got to practice it and, and really live uh, there a lot of these principles and working together thinking like one thing do you know who grant cardone is yeah yeah i've seen his stuff because he's like real estate i figured you might be a little into it i'm more like on the commercial real estate side which is like a lot what he does honestly too he's definitely like a character though. i mean he gets yeah <laughs> he's a trip he's a trip i was super into him until one day he said that he recommends renting and not buying and i just i was like i don't feel like he's giving his people the best advice yeah. I, I i i just turned because he owns a lot of commercial rental properties and yeah. i was just like this that was such a turnoff what about gary v do you know him yeah i like i like gary v too like he's uh i you know like he's a guy that i honestly at times like almost was annoyed at first i was like dude like i might need to unfollow you like you're posting so much but then at the same time then i think about it with like my podcast and like the instagram for that and and I'm like, he's right. Like, it's a content game, you know? Like, and you can't be, like, worried about what people think or, like, you just got to go for it and do it. So, like, all of his messages, like, make a ton of sense. To him. Like, yeah, they do. But after, well, for me, after a while, I was just like, okay, I got it. Follow you around with a video <laughs> camera. But he was quite inspirational to me. I would credit him with getting me over my fear of getting being on camera because he was like, you don't have to act like you're somebody else. Just document who you are and you'll get better as time goes on. And yeah, yeah. It'll be documented. Uh, he also wrote uh, some really good books. And one of them was, hmm, he just, he's, well, get, Jab, jab, give, give, jab, 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 something. It's just like give, give, ask. You want to just give more than you're asking. People are always quick to ask before they give. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, and when it comes to the Daily V, his content, I don't, I'm not watching it anymore. But uh, I was thinking if there was a fighter version of Gary V who, had cameras kind of following him around and telling him his story, that fighter would probably gain more notoriety, you know? No doubt. I mean, for however, like, these guys just got to, and I I don't mean to be, like, acting like I have the golden ticket for these fighters to 
become superstars, but just from a promotional standpoint, like you, they really, some of these guys, like I, I want them to put themselves out there more. Promote like, themselves. Yeah. Promote themselves. Like yeah. you don't always need a promoter to be like on the mic for you, you know, like, which I think a lot of guys are taking advantage of social media now and interacting more with the fans. Like I know a lot of MMA guys are, and some boxers are doing it. Um, but the more, the better, like the more people can connect with the fighter and get to know them. Cause these, they're just people too, you know, like they're going through shit, like they're training, like they have doubts of them about themselves, like getting in the ring and, and like, you know, it's just all like good stuff to connect with. That's and that's the great thing about podcasts. They're everywhere. Everybody seems to have one, but that shouldn't discourage anyone from starting their own because time will tell. You know, the cream rises to the top, and you can make some. Some people will break through straight to the top. Some of us might might take a little bit longer. I'm fine with being on that long haul journey for this because. I uh, I do it because I love it, and I, I love that you came on here. I appreciate you coming on here. I did want to say that, uh, three really good podcasters that are like sober. You mentioned that you're sober for two years. That I really like are Theo Vaughn, Tim yeah. Dillon. Yeah, Tim Dillon. You might not know. Do you know him? I've seen I've seen him on him and Theo like go back and forth. They're both hilarious. Exactly, and then Bridget Fetisy. Those are. Well, we don't sponsor Theo. Would like to. He's awesome. He's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, anyways, they're some three of my favorite podcasts as well. So, um, just throwing that out there. I appreciate. What was the last one? You said Bridget. Bridget Fetisy. It's up to our time. What was your favorite part of this podcast? You know, before the podcast, I actually loved seeing you jump on the trampoline. Gotta that. <laughs> I'm always thinking of like how to pick my energy up beforehand, and now I'm thinking like, man, I think I start knocking out some jumping jacks or push-ups or something. But um. yeah, but that's uh, Tony Robbins. I got that from Anthony, the, the motivational speaker. He does that before he goes out and pumps up the crowd. So you can use that. Um, and but again, thank you. You're welcome. Shout out to Michael Malice. And uh, we'll see you next time.